Hi! Welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lafibri. And my name is Jessica Tercero. Hey, Jess. What's up? Nothing. Yo. So this week, we watched Mary Poppins and Mary Poppins Returns. So, um... Yeah, the sequel. I think I read that this was the longest time period between sequels. It was like 54 of years or something movie? of any film. 54 yeah. years? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Because uh, the first one came out, I think, in, what was it, like 64? Yeah. And then the other one just came out in uh, 2018. And it's a direct sequel, which I didn't know. For Even though it said Returns, I was like, oh, cool, this is just a remake. But well, it wasn't, which it was cool. That's what I thought, too. And it said, yeah, because I, I guess I never saw, like, the tagline returns. So I was just like, oh, Mary Poppins. Okay, cool. It's, like, the same thing. It's fine. Cool. Got it. Yeah. I just didn't I didn't realize that it was, like, a completely different story. And so as soon as it started, I was like, oh, <laughs> what's this? What have I stumbled into in, here on this day? Did you watch the first one ever? I had, but it had been, it's been, like... A minute. Literal years. It had been a long time. And I do remember the movie itself being only the first 45 minutes. Like, I thought that was the whole movie. Yeah. And then it's actually, I think the runtime is seven and a half hours. Like, I think that that's like fact. Yeah, I think so. It's really. Tuppence goes on for like about at least three. Truly. I think canonically too, Mary Poppins is just a Ken Burns documentary. Well, also, they're set in the same universe because they definitely, in Returns, go down to Diagon Alley. So, oh I mean, they... I'm excited to get into this uh, this cross-universe shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, should we just, like, go for it, I guess? Disclaimer, just in case. I'm not sure if this needs to be in there. Uh, disclaimer, I did work for Disney for 10 years, but Parks and Resorts. So, um, I don't know if I need to say that. <laughs> In case people come at you? I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's like, it, you know, bias and bullshit. Like, if you work for somebody. Oh, gotcha. Oh, yeah. I feel that. Okay, yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> cool, let's get into it. Here we go. In the dysfunctional household of the Banks family, a frustrated Mr. Banks, discontent with his wife, his life, and his offspring, runs an ad for a new nanny and in pops Mary Poppins. While Mrs. Banks is busy playing secret white feminist, Mary Poppins teaches the children important life lessons with the help from her friend Bert while singing, dancing, and tuppence. Frustrated by her tactics, Mr. Banks decides to teach the kids real and important things while stroking his lineage ego by taking them to the bank. A Wall Street-style riot erupts after the bank elder literally steals tuppence from the bank's children. Kids run away. Daddy's in trouble. Daddy goes mad. Then he gets glad. Children are pleased. Poppins leaves. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. This movie, movie was, was atrocious. atrocious. Oh my gosh! All right, so where the fuck do we begin with this one? Because, um, like, okay, so I watched this growing up. I like you know, like every kid, love the songs, all this other stuff, and I never like. Working at the parks for so long, mm-hmm. I I didn't realize just how much of Mary Poppins is in, like, literally everything there. Yeah. Like, she's in almost, like, all of the parades from the past, like, 10 years. They have, like, the button band is, like, one of the, the bands that they have around and stuff like that. She has a spot in the fireworks show and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. And now going back and watching this, 
what the fuck even? Yeah. This is, it's a very bizarre movie. Watching it as a kid, I really don't remember a lot of it except for the penguin dance sequence and. Is that it? Is that all I remember from this movie as a kid? You don't, you don't oh, remember and then the supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. You, well, that whole, like, when they go into the, with Just the penguin. Yeah. Okay, so I guess the yeah. first, like I said, the first, like, 45 minutes. And yeah. then the step in time, but I don't remember that being three hours as it was. <laughs> I just remember it being like, chimney, 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 dance, 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 boom, boom, boom. And you're like, all right, sick, done. But then it's yeah. like, I, I, yeah, there was that whole thing. But this movie uh, was a lot. Stuff. Like, even without this lens, mm-hmm. I don't know if I could have enjoyed it. No, me neither. Because, like, <laughs> I feel there's, like, snippets that are, like, oh, perfect. Like, I just need, like, the, yeah. the one-minute, like, YouTube yeah. snippet of this. But this movie was eight hours. And it doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't know what it's trying to say. And the characters were just completely messy. And I'm... I'm having kind of a hard time because I thought that I, I honestly thought was, I was like, dope, this is going to be great. You know, cause I, I remember like as a kid, like, um, the mom, right. Mrs. Banks yeah. being like, you know, a suffragette and stuff like that. And I was like, Oh cool. Like, you know, Hell let's, yeah. let's get into this. Yep. And my memory of that was just so foggy. Like I was like, yeah, cool. This is going to be great. And then she's like a secret feminist because, because her husband hates women. Yeah, she like has this line <laughs> where she's like, "Oh, we need to put this away like, you know, he doesn't support the cause or something like that." I guess it's it was after the suffragette song Mrs. Banks says, "Please put these things away," referring to the sausage sausage sausage. <laughs> <laughs> the sausage? Sa- the sausage. The the sashes. <laughs> referring to those. Oh my god. And the voting rights uh flags. Yeah. She says, you know how Mr. Banks doesn't like the cause. Yeah. So he's not down for the cause of women's rights. Well, I mean, is she, does she know what she's trying to do no, also? I mean. Because, let, okay, so let's start with the mom, I guess. Because, yeah. like, I had a lot of problems with her because, like, from what I remember, she was, like, you know, great suffragette. And then all of a sudden, rewatching this, she's like, cool, I'm going to do this. And, like, somebody was arrested. I'm going to go sing to the people in prison. And, like, she's up on this pedestal. Yeah. And she's doing all of this stuff, but never actually a part of it is what it seems like. And it seems it feels really self-congratulatory. It feels very white feminist. She's just Gwyneth Paltrow if Gwyneth Paltrow was an activist. Oh, my God. That's Holy all she shit. is. Yeah. <laughs> she's just like... I'm quitting goop and I'm going to go uh, Sell, uh, sing to prisoners my... or whatever. And you're like, you <laughs> yeah. need this. Like, no, my time is worth a million. And you're like, shut up. Like, uh, yeah, she's going to Paltrow. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And that was really like, so to have her do that and then to like try to hide all of that from her husband. Yeah. And then the entire film, the only other time that we really hear her speak is she is just there to lift up Mr. Banks. Yeah. Because he'll say, like, well, all your nannies have quit, so I have to do this myself. And she's like, oh, yes, you'll find the right one. It'll be so much better. And, li- like, literally everything that he says, like, she, he's like, you can't even find a nanny. And she's like, oh, no, I can't. It's so hard, you know. And it's not, she's not even saying that in, like, a patronizing, like, you you motherfucker, whatever, right? She's, no, she's like... She's saying it. She believes it. She believes that she is incapable of doing anything. And so for her husband to do everything and for her to just be like, yes, darling, yes, yeah. darling, whatever you want, yes, darling. And I had such a hard time with that. 
It was bizarre because she would definitely put on this weird little sort of infantilized persona when he was around where like he walks in, take this down and like throws a pen at her, like take this down. Oh, yes. And you're just like, oh, yes, 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 of course. Of course. Why would I? Oh, right, right. Yes, sir. You're so smart. You're so smart. You're so so gallant. Ooh. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't like any of that. But it's it's like, yeah, she doesn't even understand what the movement is that she's trying to be a part of. She just, why does she want to vote if she doesn't do anything right or if her husband has all of the agency and she just like, and we never see her question that. We never see a moment where she's like, well, maybe I am capable. But Um, what kind of bothers me and strikes me a little bit off on that same thing is the fact that like, it seems like, and I don't know if this is intentional, maybe it's almost like she is a caricature mocking of women's suffrage. Like they, they made her be like, look what women's suffrage is. Look at what rights for women looks like and she's just kind of this like sort of self-degrading allows her misogynistic husband to treat her like shit and like 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 she and she's just like this sort of kind of self-aggrandizing like i want credit for this but like i gotta hide it because i can't it it just it seems like they wrote this character to to feel almost like anti-women kind of or like just or there were no women writers in the room, and so they didn't know how to yeah, the, write a the, like to to the male <laughs> writers in the room. This is what the women's movement looked. Yeah, like, exactly. That's you know? what it feels like. It feels like this is men punching down at women and women's rights, or and the not idea, even, of, or not even just realizing it, like how they were doing a disservice to the character, or even like you know what they were doing with her when they made her say like, "Oh yes, I'm not capable." I don't think that they were aware of what they were doing. I disagree. Because I do think that men, even at that time, were very aware that to them, women were less than. Mm-hmm. And so even if it's just like, well, that's just women. It's like, no, that's your view of women. That isn't women. That's your misogynistic yeah. tone and the, the inequality of the current time. Mm-hmm. That's standard that for you, but that's still you being a piece of shit and still thinking that women are less than. And that this is a female character written by a man who hates women. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing about this woman, too, right, is the whole fucking reason they need the nanny is because she's off playing feminist, right? (laughs) And she can't look after her kids. There's so many times where she just abandons the kids. Yeah. You know, she leaves them with the chimney sweep in the house, not knowing who that person is at all. Yeah. Because she has to go sing to the people in prison, you know? It it just, she felt, yeah, I think you're right. She was just very patronizing. and. It was like self-patronizing. She was – it was like this weird caricature of a, of, a, of a person. And it's so weird too because I think as somebody that's, you know, like grown up with all these films and stuff like that, you don't yeah. want to believe that something that you consumed as a kid was that but like, horrible. But you're right. It totally was. And like with Disney specifically too, like it's so much harder for some reason to look at it and really look at it yeah. because of – the name and what it is and how it's been built. Yeah. Um, so it's really tough. It's that Ken Killard lens we were talking about in the last episode of like the sort of sanitization of, of, of difficult topics where it's just like, well, it just looks pretty. So like, Ooh, fun. And let's not talk about it. You know, like that. I mean, that's just Disney. Yeah. You know? Oh, so rough. Well, um, let's what get right. I just wrote shitty, boring, rich white people, which was fun. <laughs> That was one of my notes. <laughs> um, oh, and then even his song, Mr. Banks' song, when he comes home, or 
Oh, are we getting into Mr. Banks? Because I this well, this film is about Mr. Banks. Yes. This is not about the kids. This is not about Mary Poppins. No. This is about him and his redemption arc. Well, look at specifically the song How Lovely Is the Life I Lead. Uh-huh. Every fucking line is him being like, Look at this glorious place that I built and nobody else helped me and I'm by myself. How lovely is the life I lead? And children there, pa, children. My wife, women. Lovely is the life I lead. I'm the master of this house, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, this is... I walk in at 6 o'clock. Yeah. I put on my slippers at 6.01. I have my sherry at 6.02. How perfect is my life? And it's like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. Stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. And I know that it's like kind of intentionally trying to... Because because when they get into the story with the kids, it's like their parents are a little distant or uh, a little um, aloof. Mm-hmm. To the children themselves or to like well, the I think family dynamic? He treats his children like they're investments. Yes. Like uh like he's, you know, just like the tumpets that this fucking movie is so excited about, right? That, you know, had them when they were small, when they weren't really anything, and then they just grow up and are going to be an asset to him. They're his prized poodles. Yeah. They're not his children. Like, he, he wants to pat them on the head and have them go to bed. He does not want anything to do with them or yeah. raising them or talking to them yeah. or he's just so dismissive of them. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, that's kind of better than him being as demanding as he is with his wife, you know? So at least yeah. he's like, dude, go do your shit. And then, like... I don't know. I I just he the other thing that I hate about this character is like the end they make us feel bad for him like Bert specifically takes the kids aside and is like he's in a cage and all I could think of during that moment was uh <laughs> was that stupid song and I was like despite all his rage he is still just a <laughs> stuck in a cage it's true like because i was like this is the whole thing like it the whole thing is feel bad for like dad has been a shitty dad this whole time but feel bad for him Mm -hmm. because he is doing everything for you because he's the only one capable because he is this because he is that and you messed up like this movie makes the kids like they are the reason of conflict it's not the dad like, the whole reason that his job's in jeopardy and everything is because of the like kids, you know? Kids, yeah. The whole reason why his life isn't perfect is because of the kids, you know? And so it's... The nuisance of, of raising children. Like, yeah. oh, this is such an inconvenience for me. I'm not paying attention, but you guys can't get into trouble. And like, oh, gosh, I have... To, now I have to find somebody to look after you. Oh, why can't I just drink my thing and smoke my pipe? Can you just leave? Like, the complete dismissal of fatherhood itself. Yeah. From this man is just like, what? Yeah. And he's just like, he's also like the worst sexist too. Like, uh, what is it? There's, I have like a whole list of things that he said. Oh, my favorite one. So when Mary Poppins, like it, he's like trying to give her like the third degree or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you don't know what you're doing. You're out of here. And she like so cleverly, like just kind of twists his words around and gives him an idea and makes him think that it was his idea to like, Take the kids to the bank, right? His exact words were, just the medicine they need for all this sugary female thinking they get here. Ooh, I I love it. My roommate was in the other room and he was like, what? And he like came out and was like, are you serious? And I rewound it. I paused it so I could write that line down because I was like, okay, so... 
femininity and like feminine thinking and all of this are what make you so uncomfortable. This is your point of conflict. Again, right now. It, it's a story of misogynistic men writing about men and how my life is so hard and you'll never understand my struggles. Batman bullshit that we talked yeah. about. It's exactly that. And they're trying to sympathize with the quote unquote hero, which is Mr. Banks in this story, which is like, no, that's not the story's about Mary Poppins. Why is he our quote unquote hero? Why, why are you, Constructing a narrative around the idea that this one character who is the worst fucking person in the story, a hero, because the only people who wrote the story were those men. He mm-hmm. is the embodiment of the men who wrote the story. And so they're trying to write a, a narrative that sympathizes in every moment that we get to see him. It's trying to sympathize with him. Yeah. And it's trying to be like, look, wouldn't this be nice? Or like, this is ideal. This is what you should want. You should want this order, you know? And then like. Sugary feminine thinking. Yeah. Isn't that great? I want to get that tattooed on my forehead. <sighs> That's so sick. So Sugary feminine thinking. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Love it. And, okay, the whole time he's talking about how he wants his kids and his wife to be happy, but yeah. when he sees them being happy, he's just so offended. And I think he's offended because that Batman bullshit, like you're saying, right? If he's miserable and if he has, like, this Batman syndrome, whatever, then how can anybody else be happy around him? He says that he wants to be happy and that he wants his friends to be happy, but he's not going to. But he wants them to be happy because he made them happy. Yes. But he's not not going to make them happy because he's so self-absorbed and he has no... He has no personal interest in the betterment of anybody but himself. He wants them to be happy just being in his orbit. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you should be happy that I'm here. You should be happy because I'm the man of the house. Because I am in your life. Yeah. Because I provide for you. Like, that whole bullshit, right? And the reason he's that he's so offended it. by Mary Poppins is because she's a woman. Yes. You know, when she comes in, she's a strong woman who never apologizes, who never, like, you know, gives him an inch. Like, she has some of the best lines. It's just like, I never explain things like, you know, that kind of thing. And she gets away with it because when it comes to like a strong female woman, he can't talk back to her. He's just like so dumbfounded and so fucking scared. Well, when she shows up with the letter and she's like, uh, I'm qualified for this job. So I guess, yeah, I, when do I start? And he's like, well, no, no, no. What about this? She's like, well, your ad said this. I'm that this. I'm that this. I'm that. Mm-hmm. What else do you need? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll make myself. I'll go upstairs now? Great. No, no, no. And then she's like, I'll give you a week. We'll see. Oh, yeah. And we'll see if I'll stay, right? Yeah. So two things that I want to point out. First, she's this whole time is kind of like alluding to the fact like, hey, you're not here for your kids. You need to pay attention to them. And then it takes another man for him to actually listen to that when Bert sits down and has that talk with him. Oh, yeah. Right? So like Mary Poppins does all the work and then Bert just says a couple lines as as another man to this dude. And he's like, Oh, I get it. Right. So that's fucked. And I hated that. But then I also hate that she doesn't, she does, she gets to like see that the kids are changing and all this other stuff or see that, you know, things come around, but she doesn't get to participate in it because the second that things like are okay, she leaves without saying goodbye. Yeah. Because like her role is done or anything. And then that is to me furthering that point of like, this is the role of women. This is what they are for. And you you don't get to reap the benefits of what you work for and what you do. And it's, it's, it's men wanting women to show up, do it and then go away and be quiet. Yeah. Save my world. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Fix all my problems. And then I guess I fixed it and you weren't here. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really 
I had a really, really big problem with both of those two things. Oh, absolutely. To further comment on the writing as a male-centric story, I want to bring up this little gem of a moment when the kids are reading the list of demands that they would like for their new nanny. Ooh. The daughter sings rosy cheeks, no warts, and the son jumps in with, that's the part that I put in. So what does that fucking mean? Is that a witch thing or is it a pretty thing? Oh, it's a pretty thing because they also in there say uh, say pretty. And that was something else that I was going to say yes. is how the um, how wealth and appearance play such a big role in this whole universe. Like you have to be pretty or you have to be this in order to be taken seriously. I was going to even go as far as to say they made this moment of like sexual objectifying. They gave it to a five-year-old. Oh, yeah. Like, that's the part I put in. Because he says it very cheekily. He says it very, like, kind of, like, slyly, like, that's the part that I put in. It's like, so you wrote in a you wrote in a part of the story for the five-year-old to be like, this chick better be hot. Dang. What? Really? Really? Even really, guys that. who wrote this story? Like, that's, a, okay, great. <laughs> like, so happy we're doing this. I thought... Oh, cool. Like, we're, as a society, we're perpetuating these types of things, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, again, like you said, like, that sexism, like, just steeps in there, like, mm -hmm. when they're, like, so young. Like, he doesn't even know what he's talking about. Seriously. Does he know what a wart is? I, right. <laughs> and it's, but it, like, seriously, if you have not watched this in a while, viewer, listener, go watch it. Because it is so, it's so bizarre. Yeah. It's, it's almost like. My memory of it is so different. And then going back and watching it now, I'm like, was this rewritten? That, yeah, it felt like. Is this a different thing than I remember? It felt like something different because, like, even the, the, the <laughs> plot, like, what the fuck is the plot? Yeah, exactly. What happens? I don't know. Just a bunch of shit. And then, cool, everything's fine. Yeah. Tuppence. Tuppence, <laughs> I guess. And they're like, tuppence, they're like, tuppence, tuppence, tuppence. Oh, man. Can we talk about how Mary Poppins is a witch? Yeah, because she's a straight-up witch with a bag of holding, Yep, which I love, we love, and I've always wanted one, who is practically perfect in every way, and her favorite flavor is rum. Love. I know! <laughs> Wasn't that cute? That was very cute. It was, it was a rum punch? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because th it was yellow. I thought it was going to be banana. She's like, mm, rum punch. I'm like, oh. Ooh, yeah. It, <laughs> Go for it. Hey. Um. But like I loved at least like she was just so strong like in every in everything she yeah. was like this is who I am and I'm here and you're gonna listen to me mm -hmm. and the only person in this whole story that doesn't know that is Mr. Banks mm -hmm. like literally she goes into the park and she has Uncle Albert and she goes into the cartoon world and stuff like that and everybody knows her and is like worshiping at the feet of Mary fucking Poppins right. I guess that was the part of the movie that I liked the most was just the fact that she was so confident. I don't know. I like that she was so very astute and the kids would like question her on certain things. She'd be like, nope, that's not it. It's this. And they'd be like, well, that's not how I do it. She's like, well, that's not how I do it. And we're doing it this way. So yeah. Good luck. Best of luck to you. She knows who she is. She knows what she does. Yeah. She, she just knows her and herself and her capabilities yeah. and what she does. And I think it's really great to see a woman do that because how often do we get to see somebody so confident and also so correct? Mm -hmm. Everything she does, she never does anything wrong. Yeah. She's like 
very correct in everything she does. And she's also so empowering to the other people who are around her, like the children yeah. um, and Bert. Like, everywhere they go, for the most part, if anybody, like, has a moment of doubt, it's kind of like, well, no, just think of it this way. It's mm-hmm. this. And it's like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I guess like, I didn't think of it like that. The silver linings or, like, the whole time she's, like, trying to teach the lesson that the dad needs to learn to the kids, right? Yes. She's Because, like, the dad has been so, like, single-focused, then he's, like, pushing all of that ideology onto the kids to where the only thing they're focused on is play and daddy play with me and all this other stuff, right? Yeah. And so then when she comes in and kind of, like, broadens their worldview a little bit, then they're like, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden, like, they're able to have fun again. They're able to see the world beyond their house yeah you know and like uh, see this whole magical world that dad wants nothing to do with because he's like oh you're wild you know and so so as that lesson's being taught to us that's essentially the conduit to be taught to him in the end with like the whole let's go fly kite thing it's like i've learned it and i'm great now and like Let's not talk about me being an asshole. Let's just go fly kite because, like, whimsy and optimism and, he and British. And you're like, Stop. he doesn't say sorry. He's just no. like, I'm cool now. Let's hang out. Yeah, I want to <laughs> be a dad now. And they're like, yay! And it's like, okay, yeah. children. Um, but she did have some of the best words of wisdom, which was never judge things by their appearance. I make it a point to never do references because they're old fashioned. And she says that, mm-hmm. and I agree. Um, anything can be okay if you have the right perspective, which is like, you know, a summation of kind of what she's like the whole movie is. Yeah. Right? This one I hated. Kids love their fathers <laughs> more than those that take care of them and teach them how to laugh as it should be. So she right there, that's the only line that she says where I feel like she's putting herself down because she's saying, I can help you. I can do all of this for you. I can be this person for you. But no matter what I do, you're never going to love me like you love your dad. Or like, and also as a woman, right? So like, because that specifically says father, right? And as it should be. So she's saying that this is the order of things and this is how this should happen and exist. So I want to fully say again, like, story written by men, right? But how much of that characterization is from the P.L. Travers story of Mary Poppins? Oh, dude, she... She, hated oh, she, this movie. She hated it. And it so, took them 20 years to mm-hmm. get the story yep. rights or whatever, right? And then she saw the movie. Um, hated so. it. But, but, so I actually, I'm just curious to know what the character of Mary Poppins was in her story versus what the character of Mary Poppins was in the Disney version because. It's the difference between Emily Blunt and, um, and this one because Emily Blunt, um, did her homework in Mary Poppins Returns and mm-hmm. read the books and mm-hmm. it was like, oh, this is different. Yeah. Like, and so she tried to play her Mary Poppins closer the to the book, which I like a lot better. And we'll get into because I feel like rather than telling the kids what to do, she's like explaining or like showing them what to do, you know, yeah. and allows them to make mistakes and allows them to, you know, rather than say no, 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 and trying to save them or anything, even when they do the right thing, they get in trouble. She just, yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah. But, um, PL Travers hated so much about this movie. She was the uh, author of Mary Poppins, mm-hmm. if you didn't know it was a book um, or a series. I of mean, books. Disney even made up that whole movie about the experience. Oh my God. Don't. <laughs> but um, she hated the animated sequence. She hated the house that the Banks family lived in. She hated that they changed the time period. 
She hated that Mary Poppins was pretty. Why she? Why does yeah. she have to be pretty? She hated the songs, and she fucking loathed Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, loathed him. She was also like because like she was so upset at all this. They didn't even invite her to the premiere of the film, so she was just like, "What the hell?" Right? But this this was like one of Disney's like crowning achievements. He felt and the Mary Poppins. Yeah. So the only other premiere that he ever went to was Snow White, and then this one. That like Disney himself went to. Disney himself went mm. to. So there was all that time in between that he was just like, "No, nah, it's cool." But then this one was the one that he had to go to. Wow. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. I love that whole story about how she hates it. And it took them so long to get the rights. And she wanted to be on or like had to be on board to make sure that they didn't hurt her story or hurt the likeness or any of that. But then it was like, well, I don't want to be musical. Okay. It's a musical. I don't want there any animation. Well, there's animation. She's like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, this is nothing what I said I wanted to do. You, I wanted it to be like my books. And this is nothing like my books. When the musical was finally made, like the Broadway musical or whatever, um, one of the, the selling points and one of like the absolute like, you have to promise me that it will be nothing like the Disney version. <laughs> like that was like uh, one of her stipulations was it has to be nothing like that film. So the, so the pop <laughs> and stage version is much different than the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's good to know. Okay. So, um, yeah, let's talk about Bert for a second. Yeah. Dick Van Dyke. Richard. His uh, accent, first of all, was fucking atrocious. It was not good. It was terrible. I also didn't realize that he breaks the fourth wall immediately. That was a little bit jarring, right? It was incredibly jarring. I didn't. Weird choice. It happens immediately. It's almost like the camera comes in. He's like, oh, you're here? Well, welcome to the story. I'm poor. I live outside. Anyways, let's go to this rich house. Poppins? And you're like, what? What is this story exactly? <laughs> like, what's happening? Because, like, they don't, he doesn't know the family, I guess, kind of. Like, Poppins introduces them to him, but he's like, that's where they live because I know them. And you're like, why do you know them? Are you the narrator or are you a character in the story? At which point, what? Yeah, that was really weird. So there's a couple of weird things with him. So like, yeah, it was like, wait, what's his relationship to this? But then like, you know, seeing him in the park, he knows all of the people there. Yeah. And he knows about their lives, you know, because he can hear them gossip or whatever. Right. So I thought it was really interesting how he's sitting there and he's like singing this song or he's like not sitting. He's like using literally every fucking appendage he has to like do an instrument. Right. Um, But he he's playing for the amusement of these rich people and they're all loving it. And then once he asks them for money because he's clearly poor and he's clearly like on the street and yeah. he has a hard time, right? He has to like kind of like bully them to like get them to like see him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, here we go. And then everybody scatters and it's like, oh yeah, that's what being... That's an artist life. Yeah, that's what that is. It's also bizarre to me that the whole story itself was kind of like only poor people have imagination. Uh, yeah, that was weird. It was um, like this weird classist approach to like, look, children, a poor. Look how good he is at art because he hasn't been given everything. And he's like, let me show you my world, guys. I'm like, this is bizarre. Him and Poppins are like the only happy humans yeah. in this whole thing, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, what's that saying about, like you were saying about like happiness? Like, okay, like 
money can't buy happiness or whatever. Yeah. But it can sure as hell, like, help you survive, you know? Like, cause even all of the, uh, the chimney sweeps and stuff like that, they're all super stoked and super happy and all this other stuff. And every rich person we see, like, at the bank and over here, like, they're all just miserable. So um, we could conclude that this movie itself was, uh, propaganda by the rich to tell the poor masses of the world being rich isn't that good guys it seriously <laughs> sucks like look how shitty it is like look how have fun being poor is you can be have so much fun if you're poor like go be poor it's great don't try to get our money <laughs> let us have it because we want to be unhappy it's true it's just a propaganda f- <laughs> it's pro- yeah invest um <laughs> Uh, there's another point about Bert that I wanted to... Okay, so Bert's character is supposed to represent all of the other characters that Mary Poppins meets or knows in this story. Yeah. In the P.L. Travers books, right? So he's an amalgamation of all of those characters. And P.L. Travers was very, very adamant that Poppins and Bert were not supposed to be romantic and should not have been romanticized at all. And even though, like, some of the stuff I read was like, oh, and they weren't, and blah. Like, they totally went on a date yeah. where he's, like, trying to hit on her and stuff like that, right? And just left the kids. Went, like, you guys go to the carnival. We're going to yeah. go over here and dance with some penguins yeah. for a minute. We straight up don't care where you go. We're having lunch. Yeah. And <laughs> then, like, there's a point where Mary makes a comment where she says, Bert would never take advantage of me and has self-control unlike other guys. Like, that's a character reference for him is, like, he's not going to do anything inappropriate to me. Yeah. You know? And I was like, wait a second. And then he, like, the very next line, I think, is, like, listing all of the women that he's dated or something, and she's clearly getting jealous. Like, wait, I thought this wasn't supposed to be a romantic thing. This movie is messy. It's very messy. I was like, where the fuck are the kids? Like, the kids are the whole thing, but, like, it's not. Oh, oh, oh. And then can we talk about Uncle Albert and how his whole song is pretty much Because I Got High, the Disney version? Oh, straight up. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, hella stoned. He's like, you guys should come up here, too. And he's yeah. like, oh, okay. And he's also doing kind of the same voice as uh, Hatter. Oh, I think it might have been the same actor. He voiced it. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Um, so when he's up there, he's kind of just doing the same character, but he's like, oh, it was also so, I don't remember that scene at all. I don't remember that happening. So when they did it and it's like, he's laughing, he's getting giggly. And then Dick Van Dyke's like, I'm getting giggles too. And then they're like, let's have a giggle tea party up in the sky. And you're like, what? Yeah. What? Well, the thing that made me really sad about that character is he was just like the saddest thing in the whole world to him is people leaving. Mm-hmm. So again, like going back to like he's clearly doing drugs. He's like on something or like some sort of laughing as a metaphor for drugs, kids. But like he's doing like we get to know the reason behind why he's doing that. And I thought that that was like a really interesting choice. Oh, so that could just be an exemplary of like cyclical addiction to where it's like yeah. I can't stop doing this, but my biggest fear is people leaving and people are leaving because I'm doing this and I do this because people. And people are leaving me right now. And people are leaving me right now. So like so Bert stays there and cries with him. Oh, yeah. And that was a point I had to pause this movie and I was like, wow, that's really real. Like that, that, that point hit me harder, I think, than anything else in the film. Yeah. Not from like, a, oh, this poor man, you know, this guy's weird, right? It was like, 
it was a real moment of like, this is really sad. It was disheartening. And it was like, I mean, obviously this guise of, of giggles, it was a, a front for depression, which is just unfortunate and sad. That was just so, this, I. Because <laughs> like that, that whole thing wasn't even needed, right? That didn't put no. any like, and like neither did the chalk scene and neither did like nothing really put anything. <sighs> there wasn't really much of a story, like. The story was about the dad. Yeah, trying to construct a clear, like, a concise narrative, specifically from, like, this happens and this happens, where, like, oh, it makes sense why that scene was there. Yeah. A lot of it was just kind of like, I don't really know what happened. I don't really remember this. This movie doesn't really earn its character development no. or growth. They're, they're, like, the kids really don't grow or anything. No. Um, they're, they're just like, I want to play! And they finally have somebody in the house that they can respect, right, and look up to. Like that's new for them. Yeah. But other than that, they don't they don't change. The only growth that happens is the dad, and it's it takes dad. three and a half hours to get there. Where he's like, "Oh, maybe I should not be a dick." And they're like, "Yay!" And he's like, "Yay!" And it's a big fucking celebration when he learns that. Yeah. Like, ugh, it was so so boring and so tired. Because like even that whole scene with the um, pigeon lady on the bank steps, and it's kind of like. Don't end up like her because it's like sad and like poor. No, I felt I felt like that was furthering the like only poor people are happy or really happy. Because she was sort just satisfied with being with the birds. She because yeah, she was just satisfied feeding her birds and hanging out, and you know that was her life. And they even made a point to say something about she, like she does. She's a woman of few words. Like she doesn't say very many words. Like she can't, and that's it. Then the whole point of conflict is the son, uh, Michael, wants to give the pigeon tuppence lady uh, a tuppence so he could feed the birds with her. And the dad says, no, you need to take that money and invest, right? Yeah. Because he doesn't want Michael to help the poor. Yeah. And he wants the money to go into the bank that he works at to yeah. impress the bankers that he Which is affiliated with. That point is very important. So remember that what happened with that money because it plays into the next film. Yeah, it does. But yeah, like I felt that was just really hard. That whole song just felt really long and really like really gross to me. It, it's just it. Was, I feel like this movie is a spectatorship. It's a very unsubtle spectator of rich people going through poor land, right? Even the kids, because the kids are incredibly rich and wealthy, and it's like they're being shown this world of like imagination. Like you don't need the money you have. But even in this moment, like, it felt so, like, even when they're in the bank, it just felt like very, even though, like, this is bad, but it's like, <sighs> they were still incredibly privileged kids. For them trying to make this about the kids, like, learning how to have imagination again and allowing kids to be kids and stuff, that's not what this felt like. Yeah. It was so convoluted. And then the over arc was the dad and it was, like, the whole thing. And then... <sighs> When that whole riot shit happens, when they go to the bank and then the bankers are just like, money, and the kids run away, and it was like the whole, that whole thing. And then the dad gets like in trouble with the other bankers because of it, and then they're there, and he makes a joke about, he doesn't know what to say, so he says supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, and that's when like he finds levity, and he finds uh, whimsy, and he finds... Uh, imaginative creativity he like that's when it all comes to him and that's when he like 
I'm better now and blah, blah, blah. And then I guess later you find out that the guy who owns the bank died of laughter because he made him laugh so hard. Cause, and then he gets his job. Yeah. And then he becomes head banker. Well, he Is doesn't get happened? his, he gets a seat on the board. And then the, the son, because of nepotism, takes over the bank. Yes. And that's who we see later. Yeah. In the next, yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so fun fact about the elder banker that was also played by Dick Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to play that role so fucking bad. He kept trying to convince Disney so fucking hard. That he was the person for this job. And you know what happened? Walt was like, sure, you can do that. But you have to make a sizable donation to CalArts. Oh, really? Yeah. So (gasps) he had to pay him to make that role happen. So Dick Van Dyke literally paid to play for this role. Wow. I didn't know that. Also, the reason that Dick Van Dyke got the part was because Walt agreed with something he said about family values. (gasps) Oh. In an interview with CNN, he said, well, I thought he hired me because I was such a great singer and dancer. As it turns out, he had heard me on an interview talking about what was happening to family entertainment. I was decrying the fact that it seemed like no holds were barred anymore in entertainment. He knew about the Dick Van Dyke show, about our little sitcom, and that's why he called me in, because I said something he agreed with, and I got the part. Is that Fox News? (laughs) Uh, So, that's wild. Yeah, this movie sucks. It does. I really, I feel like I'm so, I feel like I'm so tonally off for this, just because, like, I don't, I don't. Well, and what's weird is this is the one that, so this is the film that won the most Oscars out of all of the Disney movies ever, even, like, the current day and everything. Like, I think it won five, and, like. It's still, like, so fucking revered, but I feel like everybody that reveres it hasn't gone back and fucking watched it. No. It's it's one of those classics that you remember when you were a kid, and it's, like, again, that thing, like, if people to watch it now, if you go back and watch it, it's it's an co- entirely different movie than you remember. Yeah, absolutely. It's not, it's not the same thing. Ugh. I didn't like this. I, I had a hard time. I actually could not get through it all in one sitting. I had to stop and take a break because this movie was eight hours long. <laughs> there was so much of nothing here. It was a big movie of nothing. <sighs> I'm done. I'm done too. Okay. I don't like this. <laughs> In the sorrowful household of the Banks family, a grown-up Michael Banks coping with his wife's death, financial insecurity, and personal confidence living in his childhood home, receives an eviction notice from the bank. While Michael and his sister Jane search the house for a bank share certificate to save the house, his children cause a ruckus in the park, and because of said ruckus, in pops Mary Poppins again. One can say she's even returning. Mary Poppins teaches children important life lessons with the help of her friend Jack whilst singing, dancing, and speaking Leary. Meryl fucking Streep is also here. Capitalism is bad, but also the answer. And the kite saves the house. Super califragilistic. This This movie movie was was much much better, better, actually. Yeah. This movie was much better than the first. I'm just impressed. Because oftentimes with a lot of these like big remakes of a classic story, and in this case, it was a sequel, not even a remake. I'm assuming it's just not going to be good. Oh, for sure. Right. Yeah, and I thought that this was a, even though it says, like, returns, I, for some reason, thought that this was going to be a remake. Same. 
I didn't expect it to be a continuation story of like for if you if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, this is a sequel where the two kids from the first one are now grown up. The boy had children with his wife, his wife passed, and now he and his sister from the first Mary Poppins are raising those children together in their childhood home. How cute. Really sweet. Yeah. Um, something that we talk about a lot with remakes when they're done like this is how kind they are. And I felt like this was another great example of that sort of universe where, like, the kids are so kind and they're so very thoughtful. Kind. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, using their own money. Their dad doesn't give them enough money for groceries, but they're, like, talking about how they can make it work. And they're going to use some of their own money and stuff because they understand, you know, like, Jack also just very, like, sure, yeah, what can I do to help, you know? Yeah. The uh, sister, Jane, I mean, her poor brother is going through all of this stuff. And she sk- straight up skips work because he's like, you need to go. Like, and she's like, no, I'm going to help you. Yeah, this is this more is- important. And like, that is something that we don't really get to see a lot of. And I love that. It was such a good interpretation of the story, even though it is a sequel, just in the sense of like, we're not starting off with the story of rich people for the sake of being rich. This is the exact same house, technically the same family, although in this case, they're hella broke. Like, they yeah. really don't have money. They're really struggling. He forgot to go to the grocery store because he also doesn't really have the money for the grocery store. So we'll just make do with what we have. And then the bank shows up. They forgot to pay the bills. They forgot to pay the bills. And the bank's just like, hey, you got to pay us back. Okay, next week. No, no, no. You've missed payments the last however many months. We're telling you that if you don't pay the entire loan in full by Friday, we're taking your home. And something that we also didn't talk about with the last one was the last one was extremely white. There was not one person of color in that whole film. Oh, yeah. Um, but in this one, there was. Yeah. Albeit they weren't main characters. No. Except for Jack. Jack. Yes. Right. But they were important characters, right? Like mm-hmm. the the whole reason that the house is even saved is because the black collections person, whoever he's an attorney, I think he's, yeah, he's, um, I think he's one of the right or like men. An attorney assistant yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. But the whole reason that they're able to save the house is because of his, because he opens the door for them because he feels for them. And throughout the whole film, he is the person that's like, Hey, we should do something to help. And like, he's just getting dismissed for being kind and also being a yeah. man of color. He's like working for the villain. Essentially. He's like a, a pawn in the sort of, villain narrative but he's becoming self-aware that like oh shit i'm on the wrong side like i'm working for the villain and starting to see that villainy from his boss but like the way that his boss treats those kids and sort Mm -hmm. of gaslights them into thinking that their opinion is incorrect or doesn't matter and then the way that like he just thought he's like well you said you'd be here till midnight he's like yeah but that doesn't matter he's like well it should matter you should be here what the fuck yeah like, he's trying to hold them accountable yeah he's tr- he's know? trying to be like oh wait this guy sucks why am i here yeah. and then in that small moment when they like need to get to the bank to like hey prove it like we win he opens the door and he's like run go yeah you still have time go 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 please you know and i i really love that and i love Same. like jane like so aside from just being so sweet and like being there for her brother and not yeah. in like the i'm gonna be here for you and the like no, in a sincere no, way. No, I'm here. In a very, like... She's also working for the Labor Party and stuff, and she's helping out at soup kitchens, and she's part of, like, the unions and stuff like that. Like, she is... A, like, she has such a huge heart, and 
I'm going to get teary talking about this part, but like when Michael and Jane first see Mary Poppins and they hadn't seen her since that day, like, you know, just looking at this woman, like they both instantly get teary eyed and like, oh my God, you came back. Yeah. And like the smallest, like most vulnerable, most like sweet voice, you know, because like when you're a kid and like everybody has problems and everybody goes through stuff with their family and all this other stuff. But when you have that one person that is on your side and in your corner and just makes you feel like you matter Mm -hmm. and like your problems matter or like just just really sees you and listens to you, all it takes is that one person. We all remember that one teacher or we all remember that like one family friend or like, you know, friend's mom or whatever that like is one of the people that we can credit with being who we are today. Yeah. And for them, Mary Popsons is absolutely that person. And so seeing that recognition and like seeing like I put myself there and what I would do if I had seen the people that did that for me. And it, it was it was such a great moment. I mean, it was beautiful because especially in the, it's this moment of crisis, right? Like, what do we do? How is this going to work? And she's there. And she's there. And they're and like, she's not there to like take credit. She's no. not there. She's literally just there to help. And they're not even just like, but how? It's just like, you're here. That's so nice. That's so great. Yeah. They don't spend time dwelling on that. They just, it's like, they understand that she's there to help. And they don't try to grill her. Like, where have you been? What have you been doing? Like, why did you leave us? Like, that's never the narrative. We're happy to see you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that they didn't do like, why did you leave us? Because that could have been a very easy narrative for somebody to fall into, right? But they're just so grateful and so happy that she's there. Yeah. And just so thankful for her being a person and being who she is. Like, I I love that. She meant so much to them when they were kids. And I also like that they brought up the idea of, like, when they have the conversation, uh, the brother and sister have the conversation about, like, did any of that really happen when we were kids? Oh, yeah. Because we didn't talk about this either. But, like, in the first one and in this one. Mary Poppins <laughs> gaslights the kids, right? So, oh, like, yeah. Uh, we forgot to talk about that in the first part, but <laughs> they say stuff and she's just like, oh, that didn't happen. What are you talking about? Like, What do you, you mean? Know? Yeah. Yeah, she just plays dumb and it's like, that's, that's fucking gaslighting. She's hella, yeah. Which is a big, big ass mess. But now these kids are grown up and they're like talking to each other. Like, did any of that really happen? You remember that, right? And it's like, yeah, I remember that. We did this wild magical thing yeah we did was that real like how do we both have this memory of this physically impossible thing yeah that we both remember very vividly and so like as adults it's sort of questioning that wonderment questioning that fantastic sort of like merriment and wonder of like being a child and seeing things in a way that's just sort of like allowing yourself to dream and allowing yourself to sort of play pretend and seeing that the the two kids of that original story who experienced all that growing up and being like adults now and sort of like losing that spark and kind of questioning was that real like they still remember her impact which is which is beautiful yeah and there's this line um at the end that Mary Poppins says and it's somebody says like oh well they'll forget tomorrow when they're all like having their balloon party right and it's the adults will forget by tomorrow they always do yeah well and- wasn't that what's her name was it the balloon lady that said that? Wait, I need to look this up. It was Angela Lansbury. Yeah. That was Angela Lansbury? The, the balloon lady? Mm-hmm. Oh, she was okay. supposed to be the original Mary Poppins, and yeah. then she turned down the role. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. 
So that's why they put her in there. And so Dick Van Dyke came back for, uh, he was the old banker mm -hmm. again, right? And they wanted Julie Andrews to come and be back in this. But um, Julie Andrews declined because she said that this is Emily Blunt's. Like, she was so stoked when Emily Blunt was given was cast in this role. That's really sweet. And she said that her being in this film would detract from, uh, like, her, like, from Emily Blunt. And that's not what she wanted. Yeah. So I thought that that was really sweet. So that's why they put um, Angela Lansbury in there, because she was the person that they had in mind for the, the part when they wrote it. Gotcha. Yeah. That's very cool. Isn't that neat? Yeah. I do like that line, though. Like, yeah. Don't forget tomorrow. This film was also just very, like, hand and fist with all of the morals, too. You know, like, the intellect can wash away confusion. Uh, no matter how broken things are, they can always be fixed, that sort of motto. And the one that I really liked was things are never really lost. They're all around you. And one of the other things that I really loved about this film is it really took the time to develop the characters and to develop the world, you know? Yeah. And Mary Poppins never, like, she never led anything by, like, saying, like, this is what you're going to do, blah, 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 blah. Why? No, because I said so, you know? It was like, she would tell them these morals and tell them all this stuff. And then she let them tell their dad in their own way. And she allowed them to not just hear those words, but to understand them and experience them. And I, I also really liked that if they did something, she let them do it. She let well, yeah. them do whatever they needed to do. Yeah. But also, she didn't run and save them when there were consequences, even when it was a good action. Yeah. Right. So them going in to see the banker, right, and finding out that plot and everything, they were still in trouble, you know, and she didn't run and say, like, well, they were trying, so letting kids get in trouble. She let them experience. Is even what, is even what if you it's said, for yeah. the right reasons, mm -hmm. just knowing that there are going to be consequences sometimes, and, but that's you know, part of but, it. but that's part of growing up, yeah. you know, and you don't do things so you don't get in trouble, you do them because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and so know? seeing them have this moment of, of morality and question being like, I think that that's a bad guy. And she's watching this through the reflection. She's standing at the, uh, the teller stand yeah. and they're on the bench behind her. She's seeing the reflection of them sort of like scheming and like seeing if she's paying attention. And then they slowly get up and walk up the stairs and she's watching them through the reflection the whole time. She's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. And she's, she's go like, get him. go get him, like, kids. Cool. Yeah. I also really loved something that we never get in the other one is there was a moment of hesitation that Mary Poppins had when they were talking about their mom and how she passed away. And they kind of like asked her like, where is she? What happened to her? Right. Yeah. Like this big question about death, but Mary Poppins, you could see that, you know, cause she has the answer. Boom, boom, boom for everything yeah. all the time. Yeah. But I loved seeing her just hesitate for like that split second and just like her face break just ever so slightly for like just that split second and then come back with the, it's not lost. You know, it's all around you thing. And I also just really loved that the kids were the one that were able to tell that. The kids are the one in this one, rather than the children being the reason of conflict, they're the ones to help resolve conflict. Yeah. And I love Which that. is what, like, I feel like this story was just the way that the first one, this story feels like I how I remembered the first one. Yeah, absolutely. This one absolutely feels like, oh yeah, that's, that's it. And then going back and watching that first one, like, no, that's not what I remember at all. Yeah. But then in this one, it's exactly what I thought this story was. It's, it's, it's all of this stuff. Like, you know, the kids are learning all of these things, but they're allowed to play. They're allowed to, to find confidence and, and find conflict. And they're allowed to 
get in trouble and, and do the wrong thing, but learn from it. They're allowed growth. They're allowed play. They're allowed their own agency. Yeah. Because in the other one, like, they were just kind of there, mm-hmm. right? And this one, they have personalities and they have intent and they have motivation besides just, I want to play, I want to play. And I think that that was just such a better choice. Yeah, oh, and, yeah. And again, I can't stress enough how much I love the fact that she let them get in trouble and she didn't come to their rescue or no. she, like, that they also had to learn that sometimes doing the right thing does lead to a little bit of trouble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love. I love this fucking movie so much. It was really. It was. It was so much better than I expected. And even like the sort of cartoonish moments of adventure that they were trying to emulate from the first one. So like, they see this porcelain bowl, and there's a wagon on the bowl, and then the bowl, I guess, like almost falls, and then they look at the bowl, and the wheel has fallen off the carriage. They're like, look. It reacted to like this thing. And so instead of um, jumping into the sidewalk chalk, they jump into the painting on the porcelain bowl. Yeah. And that's how sort of the adventure begins. And it it looked great. They did. Um, that was all hand-drawn animation. And was I it? Loved, that was, it was gorgeous. I love, like, I forget what his name was, but the director, I think, uh, really fucking pushed for that and pushed yeah. hard. Well, and it was the right choice. I missed that animation so much. Yeah. Like that, the era that they captured with that mm-hmm. was everything that I miss about Disney animation. Yeah. It was just a good story. And the visuals were gorgeous. Like even that whole bathtub scene, like the first moment. That of, was so cute. The, I was all in. Yeah. The first moment of magic that we see from Mary Poppins, they're like, well, we don't need to take a bath. And they're like giving her all these reasons why. And she's just like on the retort, just like, boom. She's, they're just playing a game of badminton back and forth with words. Just like, bam, 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 bam. <laughs> and she's, they're like, okay, I guess we have to take a bath now. And she's like, yep, just got to do it. And so then um, she like claps her hands and like a dolphin pops up. And they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what was that? Yeah. And then they like fall into the bathtub and it's this whole like so fun sweet. sequence. And it's nice. This movie was really nice. Yeah, God, I can't say enough good things about this film because I feel like it really did capture everything, like you said, that I thought the first one had and more. Like yeah. I And I think a lot of that, too, was probably because I think they were a little bit truer to the source material yeah. as well. And even the stuff like the romance was well balanced. And there was even a point where like Mary Poppins is like, that's enough of that. <laughs> you know? yeah. And like just straight calls it up and is like, cool, let's do this. And it was a subplot to all of that. Whereas most of the time that would be, you know, yeah. we're talking about the kids, but really it's about Jack and Jane. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, I really, really, really loved everything about it. Um, But can we talk about Michael? Yeah. Because I feel like there's a lot to talk about there about showing vulnerability and the strength that you can have while still doing that and showing that to your friends and family. Yeah. The whole reason he's able to make it through this is because he's, even when he's like trying to like put a smile on his face and stuff like that, you know, the kids know. Yeah. And he's not necessarily hiding it, but he's just, he's trying and they know. Yeah. And so when he, like, when he breaks down, you know, it's, you feel that the whole time and that his song that he has broke my heart. That actor did a really great job. I think of did. portraying being a strong male character, but being vulnerable because he's just so depressed. I think you nailed it with the vulnerability aspect of it because with the kids, I mean, having that talk with children about death, especially about like a parent's death, that's wild. And so 
heartbreaking and tough and like and now on top of that he's grieving himself he's grieving the loss of his wife and on top of that now he has he still has to raise these kids and it's still his family and so now it's, his house is gonna be and gone. Now his, yeah and so he is trying his best to stay strong but still allowing himself these moments of being like well okay this i is, don't know what i'm doing i don't know what's happening i wish this, you were here yeah oh, it would I'm be so cry. much easier if you were here but still going through it still allowing himself these moments of weakness and even even when like he yells at the kids at the bank mm-hmm. it's still just very much like thank you for helping but like fuck i like maybe this is right maybe it's wrong i don't think it is i don't know what to do and i'm just gonna do it this way and i just wish that like why is this happening it felt like a frustration not just at the kids but just out of circumstance like i can't believe that this is my life well, and I think it was such a great, like, this whole film was such a great answer to the first one. Mm-hmm. Because in the first one, you know, male weakness is crying and is doing all of this. And, you know, I, I think there is, there's even a line about nobody will see me cry or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but it's all about that, like, putting up that front and holding, being the person to hold everything together and nobody else is capable, right? And in this one, like, it's really just saying, like, it's okay you can get through this you have people there to help you and like it's even when he like you said he like gets mad and loses his temper and stuff like that nobody's really mad at him because they get it yeah and even though they all know he's sad most of the time he's trying to be happy for them but there's a level of sadness that he never really gets to share with them because and we see that in in his uh song right where he's like looking at jewelry and looking at these drawings and things like that because it's so uncomfortable to be that vulnerable. Right. But I like that they still showed how deep that sorrow goes because that's exactly what depression feels like. Yeah. 8,000% they fucking nailed it. And like you, you're trying to be there for everybody else and trying to put a smile on and people know you're sad and that's okay, but you're Mm -hmm. trying to not take up any space and just trying not to let that part of you be seen for other people's sake, yeah. you know, not because, not because you're afraid of other people seeing it, but because you want them to be happy or be able to smile or something and not to feel bad about that around yeah. you. It wasn't a macho thing. And I loved that. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I, I loved the song with Meryl Streep Ooh, when the kids go yeah. to uh, Mary Poppins uh, cousin's shop. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's essentially a song about, like, looking at something from a different perspective. Or, like, I guess on the fourth Wednesday or the first Wednesday of every month, her shop turns upside down. Or Tuesday. Something. Something. Yeah. yeah. But she has this, like, trinket shop. She can literally fix anything except for this one day a month where everything's upside down. And no matter what she touches, it breaks. And it was sort of this weird euphemism for, like, perspective. Or like, mm-hmm. oh, I feel worthless. I feel like I can't do this. And But like, look at it from this. Like, if you turn your head literally upside down and look, everything's right side up. So you can just look at it that way and try to fix it from that perspective. And everyone's like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, I thought that that was really sweet, especially like to these kids who are about to lose essentially everything they have. A, a point of, I guess, perspective shift for the sake of optimism. Not to do it in sort of a fraudulent or a way that felt like, well, your whole life's going to shit. So I guess it was more of just like, look at what you have, the love of a family, the love of friendship, the love of, of this. And like, yeah, we're not trying to hide that your life is falling apart. But like, if you look at it from this way, 
it's opportunity or it's this or it's that. And you can still fix these things. You're not, you are not helpless and you're not alone. Yeah. And and that's really shown too when like at the end when like they're clearing out the house and all of the neighbors are offering to let them stay with them. Yes. You know, and they have community. Yeah. And like even, even the weird admiral dude, you know, is just like, you know, I'm here. And I really, really, really liked that. But with Meryl Streep, I was really worried at first because I thought that was referencing of her period comes once a month, right? Every month on this day. Oh, yeah. I cannot do anything. And I was like, oh, that's gross. Like, that's I, wild. And then I looked into the character a little bit and it was originally supposed to be a dude or in the books it was a dude. Oh, okay. And so – because it was a dude, it, I guess it doesn't have anything to do with a period. Yeah. They just like gender swapped it. Like, cool. I'm all for gender swapping. Yeah. But like, that was my initial read, and I was pretty pissed. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, that's, I didn't, that makes sense that that's a read. I didn't even catch that at all. I mean, I guess, because I've never experienced that, obviously. But like, I guess even saying back what I just said right now, where it's like, on this one day of every month, everything's upside down and wrong and broken. <laughs> the same reason why we can't be president. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, yeah okay with that perspective that sucks but i'm happy that's not the intent i'm happy that wasn't the intention yeah i think it was just an unfortunate circumstance or an unfortunate unplanned coincidence yeah yeah i did love her accent work what a nailed it it was such a weird mix of accents i loved her character i was great i was so as soon as she showed up i was like is that fucking Meryl Streep? Really? <laughs> I didn't know she was in this movie. And then she's just there. And I'm like, I guess we're doing this in this movie yeah. today, here, right now. Also, I love that she's a woman that can mm-hmm. fix anything, right? Yep. Fucking badass. Yeah. But I also love that idea because nothing is really ever broken. Like, you can you can fix it. You can do stuff. You might need new parts. You might need whatever. But, like. She can literally fix anything. Yeah. And it's because she tells herself that she can fix anything. Mm-hmm. And also right now with our political climate and things like that, right? With like wanting to go green and wanting to like, you know, have less waste and stuff like that. I appreciate that too from, oh, from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Like because anything can be fixed and you can just do it. Yeah. Or like take it somewhere or She's a DIY use sustainable things. Yes, I love a I DIY love queen. I stand a DIY queen. True. She's hella punk. Yeah, she's a punk. <laughs> Did you see her workshop? So good. Yeah, I, I think know. They spent like three months on that set alone. I believe that. It was an incredibly unique set because everything was upside down. Yeah, you know? it had to be like it had to work both upside down and right side up, which is cool. Um. Yeah. Okay. What else do I got? Um... We can talk about the circus. So when they go to the circus in the porcelain bowl. Oh yeah. And sort of that first view of villainy. Because, like, we, so we have kind of two villains. We have the small cartoonish villain of that, and then we also have the banker, which I guess they sort of echo each other, right? Yeah, like they're one supposed is, to be each other. Yeah, it's the sort of fictionalized version of the real-life banker. But that whole song and dance was actually super cute. Oh, it was cute. You it, can't judge a book by its cover or whatever? It went directly against the first one, how we were talking about appearance and how that's everything and how, like, that you have to be pretty in order to be my nanny, right? Yeah. It was doing the exact opposite. The exact Dismantling what the other film did. Yeah. Cre- created, yeah. Which was awesome. And it was gorgeous. So and it was a really great set. And it was, like, obviously partially composed or written by Lin-Manuel Miranda because... 
he like the song itself had his stank was on it. Yo, one hundred percent. Like this was his song, right? Yeah. But just the staging and the blocking and the the choreography and the it was that candy colored delicious visuals yes. with some substance with like a cool song and a cool message and like hell yeah and then that's immediately followed by this sort of like classic cartoonish car chase mm-hmm. when the youngest daughter gets trapped in the truck oh. and then they like drive off and then it's like a car chase uh, of them trying to go get their yeah. sister but they're like they're driving around the porcelain bowl so it's like going sideways and then all that stuff and it was like so cool hella cute also, I love that the kids saved each other. Yeah. Like, was... again, like, the kids are being given agency and mm-hmm. being allowed to do things. And Mary Poppins doesn't need to be the one to save them. No. Bert doesn't need to be the one to save them. Like, they are capable of saving themselves and each other. And, like, they were able to grow. Like, in, do you remember when in the very beginning, like, they were, she was like, who did this, right? And they're like, he did it. No, he did it. He He broke the bowl, right? Yeah. And then at the end when they were all caught by the bank, you know, and like dad was pissed, right? They were all like, we did this. Yeah, like, it was and us. It, it wasn't like, oh, well, he said to do this or whatever. Like they shared in that because they had bonded and because they they weren't trying to fight for that attention anymore. Mm-hmm. And because they had bonded through like all of these different experiences and stuff like that. And I thought that that was so, so, so cool. It was, yeah. It was a clear example of growth, right? Yeah. They're creating this narrative of growth and sort of the allowance of, yeah, if you if you see an injustice or you see something that's wrong, speak up and stand up for it. But in the process, like you're allowed to make mistakes, you're allowed to do that and grow from it, which yeah. is what what Mary Poppins is doing for these kids, like we discussed, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, they did a much better job of showing rather than telling. Or yeah, rather, rather than like do this because I say it was like cool. Here, go off and do that, and then you'll learn your lesson. Or yeah. you know, so I really like that. I also super loved the Lamplighter dance number. Oh, yeah. Speaking of dance yep. numbers. Same. That was unlike Step, Step in, in Time. time. Yeah. It was not 84 years long, no. and it was so well choreographed. <laughs> I thought that was so good. Including Mary Poppins being straight up Matt Hoffman, BMX pro. <laughs> I know, BMX right? Biker. Yeah. <laughs> She's like doing a full like peg stand backwards thing just like casual she's like, like yeah what up wow yeah she's such like she's such a yes and character and i love that she's like she's capable of doing everything mm-hmm. also like she also does like the speaking leery thing which is such a cool concept to introduce to kids because it's like literally speaking in like secret code yeah you know where it's like um it's a form of like english where you don't actually say what you're doing but you kind of talk in like metaphors and rhymes yeah it's just such an imaginative way of speaking that i i think that's really fun to like yeah I love that that. whole sequence was really fun like this movie was just very fun like everything felt kind it felt genuine it felt earnest and everything felt intentional and that lends itself straight to the narrative itself the narrative had direction it had momentum it had clear conflict it sustained my attention there was no meandering really throughout it it was very clear this is where it's going and this is what's happening. And it was all very good. There was a clear villain. There was a clear plot. It wasn't like a slice of life. It knew what it wanted to do and it had intent. Yeah. And not to say that it's like complete exposition where it's like, this is where we want our viewers to go and we need them to, you know, like, and he's this because of this. It was, it was, 
yes, there was exposition, but like enough of it to where it felt like we're learning alongside the characters. But yeah, I mean, it had more than the fucking first one. The first one was so meandering <laughs> and so wandery and so daydreamy and like, okay, what's this and why are we here and what's happening and okay, that's the ending and what the fuck is that? Like, whereas yeah. this one was like, this is clear. I get it. There are stakes. We're meeting them at these crossroads. We're seeing growth. We're seeing failure. We're seeing this I'm right there with you. We're seeing grief. We're seeing vulnerability. We're seeing all of it. Like mm-hmm. it's there and I'm seeing a story. I'm seeing a through line. I'm seeing all of this stuff like fucking awesome. Like this is great. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I feel like this film did a really good job of painting greed as the real villain. Right. Whereas the last one, the tuppence is taken from the child. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Speaking of Tuppence, can we please get into the weirdest contradiction in this whole thing? Mm-hmm. So the very end, they find that the kite had the bank statement thing on it, right? Okay. Oh, cool. the, he, he patched the kite up with the deed that which, they were looking for for the house to which, prove that they owned or whatever. Michael had drawn the family on. He was... Clearly, <laughs> an adult. That's an adult astronaut. Saw this and was like, well, yeah, because it has his wife and the kids mm-hmm. and all of that, right? So I was like, cool. You knowingly did that and you forgot that you drew on it. Like, I don't know. That was weird. That that was the only <laughs> part that I was like, narratively, this is kind of goofy. It seemed very like, you don't remember drawing that on the back of a very important document. Were you so desperate for paper? Like, yeah, go get a notepad, queen. It was super weird. Yeah. But then it gets wilder because, like, okay, well, they're missing the one tear, right? So that way it could. Uh, oh. So it's like, oh, no. The tear was and a signature tear? The son of the banker that died in the first one comes through and is like, what's up, Sonny? Is <laughs> like, kicks his nephew out and is like, you're done. Bye. You're good, Michael. Don't worry about it. You still got shares. It's chill. Yeah. You know? And then he <laughs> he's like, you remember that Tumpins? Remember that Tumpins that I invested for you? Well, guess what? You're a millionaire now, and you could pay off that loan, so you're good, son. Yeah. So, like, the whole thing for the first one was he wanted to help somebody that was less fortunate, and then instead he invested it, and he was rewarded for that (laughs) and that didn't feel okay that's a weird yeah for a movie that was so um anti-capitalist yes the exact opposite of the first it seemed bizarre to have that be the roundabout literal comeuppance of the two stories combined (laughs) As, as as a way to be like yay we're saved like this is the this is the salvation of the conflict yeah. That seemed really strange. And it also happened very fast. It was just like, I'm here, and it's like, you're bad, and we know it. And anyway, <laughs> your house is yours still. Like, because remember that money? Cute. Like, and then you're rich. Go have fun. Live your life. Bye. Yeah, it's like, cool. Bye. What is happening? Also, the Peter Pan stuff. Uh, yeah. Can we talk about that? Yeah, where Mary Poppins is just Peter Pan now. Okay, okay. Like, the whole time that all of the lamplighters are, like, doing the most dangerous shit ever with their fucking ladders, right? I was like, they I- They are World War Z zombieing up 
big band. No shit. Like just like with their ladders climbing up on top. Just like, oh, getting, we gotta get, we gotta get to the big band. We gotta change the clock. <laughs> and I was like, holy fuck, right? Because like I get terrified when somebody's on a ladder around me. I like have to hold it. I'm their spotter. Like, oh my god, right? And then to see like 84 ladders, I was just terrified. That was scary. So yeah. terrified. Also. She can fly. She can make other people fly. She can, like, they really leaned into her being a witch in this one. Yeah. Uh, with the other one, it was like, oh, maybe it's the imagination. This one, it was like, straight up, she's a witch. She's a witch. Like, it's chill. She hasn't aged. Everything yeah. is, like, whatever. So she's letting these people do this. And literally all she had to do was fly up there or make <laughs> one of them be able to fly. And then when they turn back time... So if I could turn back time, if I could find a way to save, save, save the banks, stay. Yeah, that's it. I was just i I had my own little dance party. It was great. Well, also, (laughs) I love that moment too because it seemed very like I hope they get up there in time. And then they were taking too long. She's like, "You guys are taking too long. I'll do this." Like, because she could have done it from the beginning, but she's like, "Well, let's see if they do it." Let's see how far they get. Yeah. And when, oh, when they're not doing it, she's like, I'm bored. Okay. I, we don't have time for them to make a mistake. We're trying to save these people sick. I'll just go change the fucking time. It's fine. She like, wasn't trying to be the hero. No. But she like, but she had the capacity to it. But, yeah, she did. But it lends into the go make those choices and learn. Like, try. She wants yeah. people to try even though she can fix everything. It's like, that's not the point. The point it, isn't for me to swoop in and fix all the problems. My, the point is for me to be here. And give you the tools to help you be able to see your circumstance and use those tools to better your circumstance, right? Like, because yeah. I can change shit for everybody, but you. But gotta, that's not sustainable. That's not sustainable. You have yeah. to learn how to do it for yourself. That's why I'm here. And that's so cool too, because that's not like a normal way of thinking that no. we get in any American films, no. right? Yeah, it's yeah. like I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to like, which like just really cripples everybody. And so, like, to be able to see that and just to have it pay off and to, like, see in the same film how that's paying off and how they're able to talk or teach others or, again, going back to, like, the kids helping their dad be like, mom's not gone. She's around. She's here, you know, because Mary Poppins can say that to somebody. She could say that to Michael. And, yeah, she, like, really helped him as a kid. But, like, it's different hearing it from somebody you're really close to like your kids right true and so i love that it wasn't just this woman coming in and saving everybody it was giving the tools to everybody or even just enabling them and saying yeah you can totally do this yeah and that feels like a much better plot oh it was yeah it was this movie was so much better than the first movie it was infinitely better yeah which i'm so i guess hindsight i'm surprised by but based on current viewing not surprised in the least because that first one is garbage yeah there's a lot of old films like you know classic films classic disney classic. just classic films in general that yeah. like really don't hold up Mm-mm. and so i know that that's something i'm trying to get better at is you know before i'd be like oh yeah i love this i'm used to going like cons and stuff like that and be like oh fuck yeah like this is cool this is dope i want this you know or like but like before saying that i love something i have to go back and watch. even like the past five years really 
because I've grown and changed so much and the world has grown and changed so much and like our standards are changing and evolving for the better and all this other stuff. And it's like, it's also really interesting to go back and watch these things and be like, what did I like about this? Yeah. What in, you know, this, what in this was appealing to me? Because it can, like you can go back and watch something and it's like, oh, this is garbage, you know, whatever. But like, I think what I liked about the first one was I liked, I just like Julie Andrews. A lot of like classic films, like I love the way that people's voices sounded, mm -hmm. you know, like it's just very calming and very classic and, you know. Her cadence specifically too in that character yeah. was, it was very nice. It was just very astute, clear, concise, crisp, like all of that. And I was like, oh, 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 oh talk more. Like, yeah. Yeah. Tell me, let's go on an adventure. I'm down. <laughs> like, <laughs> I want to go, Mary Poppins. Yeah. yeah. It was all her. Mm -hmm. Um. And, like, the songs are catchy, sure, you know, Spoonful of Sugar, what yeah. up? But mm -hmm. I challenge you, before you go back or before you stand something that you haven't watched since you were a kid, go back and watch it and see how you feel. Yeah. Just look at it with a new lens like we've been doing with all these things and be like, ooh. Some of the stuff you don't even need that lens. <laughs> you just, like. Just need to watch you know, it. You just watch it. Just and pay you're attention. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's so blatant. It's, it's in <laughs> yeah, it's incredibly surface, and you're like, oh, I guess. Like I said, my roommate came out from like the other room and was like, "What was just said? Yeah. Sugary feminine? What?" <laughs> and like, it, it's it's fun to do. It is fun. Yeah, it's 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 nice to get a clear current take on on these stories. I think so. All right, cool. So we watched two Mary Poppins films. Yes, we did. So the first one, Eric, who was this for? It was for men at large. Gosh, who was it for? Daddies to feel better about their <laughs> neglecting their families. Yeah. Well, I was going to just say daddies in general. Yeah, you know what? Fuck it. It was for daddies. Mary Poppins, the first one was for all daddies. And all varieties. <laughs> uh, um, this one's dedicated to that very special daddy in your life. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, God. Um, Who do you think it was for? Oh, yeah. Daddy is for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, did we like it? Oh, no. I didn't like it at all. I didn't like it either. Uh, it wasn't like <sighs> the nostalgia that I had for it is the only semblance of me liking that movie that i have but watching back at exactly what content it was like what this movie was and represented it completely changed my view on it i no longer like this movie or have any sort of like sort of yearning or longing feelings for it or feel positive towards it in any real way bad content it was also hella boring it was way too long the story was garbage it was not good not a good movie what do you think? How about you? I was yawning because <laughs> yeah. I'm already bored. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, I also, I don't like it. Yeah. I feel like part of it still has some nostalgia for me, you know, like where it's like, uh, mostly like I would probably like gif a lot of those like one liners that Mary Poppins gives where she's just like looking like hella bitchy. I would gif that. Yeah. There <laughs> but, are some good looks. And again, her voice was hella crispy. So cute. It's great. But yeah, by and large, I did not like 
what this film had to say. I did not like, again, watching it as an adult, realizing that this film is about the dad the whole time and that it's not about the kids and it's not about their redemption arc and that it's not even like it. I just, I can't. And we see how much men hated women and continue to hate women. (laughs) And how like the, I think there was another thing I read where it was like the mom, they made her a suffragette only because that would give her a reason to be away from her children and want a nanny. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I got bored researching yeah, too. <laughs> but um, no, I did not like it. Awesome. <laughs> the new um, one. <laughs> was this new, interesting, or the same? Progressive, regressive. Has the story evolved with today's ideas? The new movie as opposed to the old yes. one. Yes. Um, I think the new movie was progressive. I think it was more realistic. I think it more eloquently and creatively told the story the first one tried so hard and attempted to create and failed at. I th- It was great. It was progressive. It was... I think uh, I completely... I completely it agree. It was it was all of those things. It was new. It was interesting. It was I a thousand percent agree with you that they did a, a much better job at telling the story the first one was trying to. Because mm-hmm. the first one just didn't feel like it it felt like none of the writers even talked. No. It felt like Star Wars seven, eight, and nine, but it was all one movie instead of three. Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to say something that is a read to BJ Novak. Um, do you know BJ Novak? No. He was in the office. He was Mindy Kaling's counterpart. Got it. So he was in that dumb Saving Mr. Banks movie. He was one of the musical composers. I forget who he played. One of the Sherman brothers? Yes. He mm-hmm. was one of those guys. I didn't like his character. He just played the same guy, but just like as this character and i was just like watching this movie i'm like oh that tracks like a guy like him did make this movie (laughs) because it's just like this sort of like super flippant okay i don't care like whatever it was just it was like a complete lack of 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 kindness to the story a complete lack of like creativity or a willingness to collaborate or a willingness to see perspective this is the old one i'm talking about okay yeah but i was yeah sorry i guess i'm getting confused but that's what it felt like that one was made, whereas this one was the exact opposite. It yeah. was cared for and considered. And considerate of its, and characters, of its characters and of the story that it was trying to tell. Yeah. Did you like it? I, well, first, who was it for? Oh, who was it for? That's right. Who was it for? People that watched the first one and wanted a better movie. It's true. <laughs> It's it's for it's for me because I <laughs> because it's the movie that I thought I saw when I was five. Yeah, <laughs> this is the movie that I thought I saw when I was a young youngster too. I thought I thought this was it, and it wasn't. And that's I'm happy they finally gave me that story back. Me too, in a real way. <laughs> um, and yes, I loved it. I yeah. love it. Gotta have it. I will probably watch this again. Consume it. For sure. Yeah. I think that's about it. That is it. We would like to thank 
you for listening to this podcast. Um, if you like us, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Um, Spotify doesn't do it, but that's cool. Yeah. Um, you can follow us on all of the social medias at um, nostalgia.pod or write into us. Yeah. Um, give us thoughts, concerns, hot takes, slow takes of whatever it is that you are consuming. And or... unfortunately, right now, I think Apple Podcasts is only allowing you to rate five stars. Like, you can't rate any lower at the oh, moment. Oh, yeah. I did hear about that. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's kind of been a thing. I guess they're trying to fix it, but um, who knows when it's going to be up. So um, I think it should probably still be broken by the time you hear this. So honestly, just don't even try the other stars. They don't work. Hit the five. It's the only way we get any visibility. And it's the only thing that they'll accept. So For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, write into us at nostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, questions, comments, concerns, ideas for episodes, whatever you want. If you want to be on an episode, whatever. Yeah. We're chill. Hit um, us up. We'd like to thank David Tricero for providing technical support, Danny Barkley for editing our podcast, and thank you, Eric. Thank you, Jess. Yeah. Always a pleasure. This is great. This is great. Okay. Okay. Bye. Right, bye. 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 Oh, hi. Oh, I didn't see you there. This is Bob with the I Want to Party with Bob podcast. Now, what is the I Want to Party with Bobcast all about? Well, I just said it plainly, Bobcast. Keywords, it's all about things that I like, things that I am interested in. As your host, Bob, let me tell you some of the past episodes. I've done a history of the Misfits and their shenanigans, a history of Halloween. I talk about haunted places. Specifically, I've been to Whaley House, which is haunted as shit. I also interview several bands that I love. One of my most recent interviews was with a band called Dead Bars. And I talk to a lot of very interesting people and bands of the DIY punk rock persuasion. So, www.iwantapartywithbob.com or virtually any of the podcast listening apps and search for I Wanna Party With Bob. And there I am. Cheers. Don't forget to party with Bob. Happiness, hope, respect, and support, and this, my friend, is all just a dream.